the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today we're going to begin in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. And I want to say that in these verses we'll be doing verse 9 through 11, which are really one continuous phrase. And it speaks of who our Savior is. It speaks of who Jesus is. No sermon is going to give that justice. If you really want to hear the truth of it, then listen to Him. Quiet your heart before Him. Take your mind's eye to the throne and worship. Philippians 2.9 says, Therefore, because He, that is Christ, stoops so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name. In the preceding verses and last week we talked about the humility of Christ and how the Lord had laid aside his heavenly spiritual form to come here to be among us. Jesus actually laid aside that which best expressed his glory that which best expressed His deity. He was clothed with glory and He was clothed with the radiance of deity in heaven. And He set all that aside to be among us. Now we know that the heavens cannot contain the glory of the Lord. And we know that man could never craft anything that would sufficiently reveal the immeasurable greatness of His power or His person. But he set it all aside to take on humanity, to take on the flesh of man. What did he leave? Well, Revelation chapter 21, verse 22 and 23 will begin to give you some idea. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God omnipotent himself and the Lamb himself are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun, nor of the moon to give light to it, for the splendor and radiance glory of God illuminated, and the Lamb is its lamp. So there is no measure that can describe the radiance of the Son of God as He dwelt in heaven prior to His descension here. Before descending to the earth, glory was His garment and praise was His due. And he laid all that aside to take on the form of a man. But as I told you last week, he not only laid aside his form, his expression, he laid aside his function as deity. 
He put it all to one side and yielded it all to the Father because he would never act on his own behalf. He would never act on his own. We read this verse often because it's important. It it reflects the truth of our own walk. Jesus speaking in John chapter 5 verse 30, he says, I am able to do nothing from myself independently of my own accord. But only as I am taught by God and as I get His orders, even as I hear, I judge, I decide as I am bidden to decide as the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. And my judgment is just, right, just, righteous. Because I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and the pleasure of the Father who sent me. Which means, when you really look at the truth of it, he set aside his perfect wisdom. He set aside his unlimited knowledge. He set aside his intimacy with the thoughts and purposes of the Godhead. He set aside all of that to be completely dependent upon the Father. He didn't access any of that. Dependence on the Father. Instruction from the Father. Connection with the Father. That's all he wanted. We cannot begin to comprehend all that Jesus laid aside when he came here. But I know one day we'll get a glimpse of it. We see heaven's glory. Our Lord traded the radiance of glory for the uncomely form of flesh that actually began to deteriorate the day it was born. He traded it all in so that he could walk as we walk and endure the pain that we endure. All the bumps and the bruises, the common maladies, insect bites, stomach aches, thorns, all of it, every bit of it. He took upon himself the curse of sin, not only at the cross, but the curse of sin that this earth bears and bore when he walked upon it. The curse of all of those insect bites and thorns and things that that weren't here prior to the fall and the cruelty of man he traded the company of unquestioned praise of angels for the ridicule and taunts of men he was despised and rejected on the earth and worshipped in heaven on the earth his words were regarded as foolishness and lies but in heaven he spoke everything into place and holds it all together with the word of his power you think we'll ever be able to grasp the humiliation that our Father took on, our Savior took on, when He came to this earth? I don't think so. You know, there's a church in uh, Bethlehem called the Church of the Nativity. It's an interesting thing that uh, over the years, the entrance into the Church of Nativity has continually gotten smaller and smaller. They actually make it lower. And the reason they did that, or the last time they did it, was to keep the marauders from riding their horses into the basilica. But you know that entrance is called the door of humility because you must stoop to enter in. We don't know how far he stooped. Philippians 2 Verses 7 and 8 says, But he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. He chose the humiliation of flesh. He chose the sufferings and death 
None of these the Father demanded of him. None of these were required of him. He chose it on his own. He took it on. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God. What we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. Christ's humiliation was his glory in that he laid aside everything in order that he might fulfill the will of the Father and to bring us into his embrace. That was his goal. To bring us into his embrace. To receive us as new creations equipped to know him. Do you know you're equipped to know him? Because the world tells you you're not. The enemy tells you you're not. But you're made for him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. And behold, the fresh and new has come. We are equipped as new creations to live as he lived. That means that we can freely set aside all that the world offers us and tells us that we should have. We can set it all aside. We can set aside all that, all that the world clamors for and embrace Him because we have in Him everything that we need. We were designed to live out our lives in unity with Him. Galatians 2.20 is the verse that reflects that best. That we have been crucified with Him and we've shared in His crucifixion, but we no longer live, but He lives. He lives through us. And the life that we now live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God, who is our life, who loved us and gave Himself up for us. You see, we must understand that life, the life we live now, might be in the body, but it's not for the body. Did you hear what I just said? Because you may hear it with your ears and you may hear it with your mind, but I want the whole of you to hear it. The life that we live now might be in the body, but it is not for the body. We don't live for the body. The world says you do. And we'll make every effort to try to get you to live to the body. We don't live for the body or to the body. Our humiliation on earth is born out of our identity with Christ. It is because of the humiliation that Jesus suffered when he chose to be the second Adam. Through his sacrifice we were brought into union with him and the Father exalted him for that humiliation. We come to Philippians 2.9 again. And he says, Therefore, because he stooped so low, talking about the humiliation of Christ as he entered into the walk of humanity and the life of humanity and became an actual human being. God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And the word therefore is or in response to Christ's humiliation. God exalted him. And this is a neat thing. Christ never exalted himself. He never exalted himself. God exalted him. Man didn't exalt him. Flesh wouldn't do it. But God himself lifted him up and proclaimed his glory. Jesus found his glory in the Father, and the Father's pleasure was in him. This is the way of the Christian. We live that he would be lifted up. 
We do not find our glory in this world or in the things of this world, but we find our life in Christ alone. For Christ, every rejection and every wound that He experienced affirmed the truth of His Father's will in Him. Is that how it works for you? Or do we look at the wounds and the rejections as proof that we need to look out for ourselves? That we need to protect ourselves? That we need to live for ourselves? He saw in the rejection of man the need for salvation, the need for love. He knew his life on this earth had purpose. His humility became our salvation and the Father's glory. And the Father exalted him at the proper time. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time He may exalt you. The salvation of God was revealed in the humility of Christ, and God lifted Him up. Now listen, though God may bless us in this life with many things, and things that we delight in, really... This is the truth. And you discover this the older you get if you're walking with Him. Our true delight is in Him. He is our reward. You want the things that you love to injure you? Start believing that they're essential to you. Start believing that you can't live without them. And they'll take life from you. Everything that God allows in your life, everything that you hold, everything that you could say or the world might identify as being part of your life, is there for one purpose and one purpose only. And that is to minister the truth of Christ, His life. I don't care how ugly it is. That's its purpose. That's its whole purpose. The true blessing is Christ. It's in our relationship with Him. And when we're unwilling to exalt ourselves and live for the praise of men, we find ourselves affirmed in the truth of our love for Him and His love for us. We will see the pain of others. And rather than worrying about our own pain, we'll be lifting them up. We will interpret every rejection of man as a man's need for salvation. Have you begun to do that in your life? Because if you don't, here's the thing. If you don't look at what life brings to you as a ministry or a ministry opportunity, then you are walking self-centered. That's the truth. If all you can think about is what life is taking from you, then you are walking self-centered. I know, it's only natural for us to look at our our wounds, to look at our pain. That's natural. But to see those things as taking life from us or being the source of life, that's idolatry. That's wrong. It says, He freely bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. Now once again, the Amplified makes this plain because... The word bestowed in the Greek means to freely and voluntarily give as an expression of the heart. In other words, the Father in this, and this is where I'm going, is the Father in this is joyously expressing His great love for His Son. Now, as we go along, I'm going to give you a further insight into the Father's great joy. He's not just high-fiving Jesus because He made it. Okay, But what he is doing is he is exalting him with the name. With the name. 
The father is joyously declaring his great love. The verse, now I want you to see this. The verse does not say a name, does it? Actually in the Greek, if your Bible says this, it's kind of a mistranslation. The Greek says the name. And the reason the Greek says the name is because God is conferring on him a title. He is conferring on him the greatness of the name. The name is who He is. In the Old Testament, when you hear about the name of the Lord, they're typically talking about the person of His deity, His presence, His omnipresence, His power. It's not just a familial connection. So when when He says that He put upon Him the name, that's correct. The name that is above every name. That's only one name. But I want you to see something about that name. This says that the person of Jesus is to be above all others in name, title, and rank. Now let me ask you a question. When did Jesus first receive the name Jesus? Well, it's when the angel told Joseph, he said, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, the Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua, which means Savior. For he will save his people from their sins, that is, prevent them from falling and missing the true end and scope of life, which is God. Now when Jesus is born, he was given this name. So when God exalted him with a name that is above every name, he was exalting the Son of Man. Jesus, born as man, now in the resurrected body as God. He is exalting the fact that Jesus is clothed in the salvation of man. He is literally clothed in humanity, resurrected humanity. And God is looking upon the scarred face of Christ Jesus as he sits beside him and he exalts his name above every name. Not the name of Christ, but the name of Jesus. The name that he bore upon this earth because of his connection with you, the Father is rejoicing. That's so much more. This is not God separated from man. This is God with us. Emmanuel. This is what the Father is excited about. And that name is above every name. In other words, the connection between us and God, that familial connection that we have, the blood that runs through us, the literal spiritual union that we have with Him can never be separated. Nothing can reproach it. Nothing is as big as it. Nothing can stand in its way. It's above every name. That's powerful. I mean, when you think about it, how many times have you read about it? Yeah, well, yeah, he's the Son of God. Yeah, well, he should be exalted. Yeah, that's great, wonderful. But you're not looking at the big God here. You're looking at Jesus clothed in humanity, the resurrected body, complete with scars upon his hands and his feet, complete with a marred face. You're looking at the scarred Jesus that he's exalting, that he's declaring. To me, that's powerful. No longer God apart from man, but God with us. Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11 says that in and at the name of Jesus, there's that name, every knee should, should, must 
bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue frankly and openly confess and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God exalted the resurrected Jesus in union with man. You see that? That when God exalted the resurrected Jesus, He exalted Him in His union with man. And when God made Jesus a name above every name, He declared you as His own. Can you see it? This is the scarred and battered Jesus who wears the glorified body of the Son of Man that sits at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 20 through 22 says, Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world to come. He has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church a headship exercised throughout the church everything, this universe this world and the world to come is all under his dominion and all has purpose for his expression and do you know what's at the center of the expression of Christ? Do you know what God is using to radiate the glory and the magnificence of Christ? The body of Christ. How in the world do we lay our identification with Him to the side to embrace this temporal world and say, that's who I am? How can we do that? How can we be so distracted? To put that truth aside and embrace the temporal dying world how can we do it I don't know but faithful so faithful because he's not just Christ he's love he is mercy I want you to see when we studied this in Ephesians I want you to look at that those verses I just read to you what tense are they in they're in past tense it's been done it has been declared so But when we look at Philippians 2, 10, and 11, what we see there is present tense. Now, I know this verse is often used to declare what is going to happen when Jesus returns and at the judgment. And while I'm in full agreement with that, the reality of what Paul is declaring, he is saying, bow now. Every knee must bow, should bow now. Not just when it becomes so clear that we have no other choice, but now. Because the greatness of our God is an ever-present fact. Are you compelled by life to recognize an exalted Savior? Is there anything in your life that can stand before Him? Many bow in their words, but rarely in their hearts. Your God has declared that every knee should bow and will bow and all of life points to Him as our only salvation. Is your life crying out, bow the knee? Are your finances yelling, bow the knee? Is your marriage yelling, bow the knee? Is your health shouting, bow the knee? These things are not a judgment of God. 
They're not about the condemnation of God. They are the bare reality of creation. We as children of God should be able to see that the temporal world is all about reflecting the truth of our need for Him. So all of life comes before you and says, Bow before the Lord of glory. When life comes at you and says, Your body isn't going to make it anymore, Bow the knee to the truth that you are a spiritual creature housed in a temporal body. Bow the knee. Look towards the throne of glory when life says you have no sustenance and bow the knee before the God of all provision and live out of the truth that He is your sustenance. Let every knee bow. Let every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The spiritual reality is that everything, every person, everything in heaven and on earth, everything under the earth, will bow the knee before Him. There will come a day when every man will be compelled to bow the knee, but you know what? The humility of Christ was what God exalted because it put the focus upon the glory of His provision and His union with God. And for you to bow the knee is for you to say, I'm in humble dependence upon my Maker who is life for me. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life, moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.